startup success is every entrepreneur's dream. But how do you make it happen? Is there a secret ingredient, some magic formula? Well, my next guest took her startup to over 10 million in sales. And when we come back, she'll break down her process into bite-sized pieces. So stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the weekly podcast for smart entrepreneurs, executives, and managers looking to improve business performance and their bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today I'm delighted to welcome back to the show Jan Cavell. The last time she was here, she regaled us with tips from her book, Scale for Success, sharing the journey of her business that started on her kitchen table as a single mom, yes, she's British, while her children were young and building it into a multi-million dollar turnover business. Now, today, she's back with her latest book, Start for Success, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Startups, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. So welcome to Business Confidential Now, Jan. Hannah, it's absolutely lovely to be back. Thank you so much for having me around again. Well, it's lovely to have you, Jan. (laughs) You did very well starting your business on a kitchen table. And we know that some entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs are known for starting out in their garage. Absolutely. Very popular. (laughs) Yes, it is very popular. So do you think that humble beginnings are a secret to startup success? I think that's an interesting question. I think that it's got a lot going for it because for a variety of reasons. I mean, I'm a great fan of bootstrap businesses. It's become terribly, you know, oh, well, where do I raise investment, you know, for my business as if, you know, it's something that has to happen. You know, I remember speaking recently, and it's something I write about, mentioned in the book, you know, to somebody on social media and, you know, put a call out saying, where do I find investment? And I asked him a couple of questions, and I said, well, you know, have you considered bootstrapping? And you've obviously never run a business in your life. I went, well, actually, I have, and, you know, it is an option. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but it is an option. Oh, rubbish, you don't know what you're talking about. It's got that bad that people think investment is an absolute essential when it's not. You know, you can use your garage and keep everything low and it teaches you great fiscal controls while you're building up. I think it's well worth considering, especially in these times. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more because, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I need investors. It's like, great, but they want to see, you know, your credentials and what do you bring to the table to make sure it's a success because they're not giving out money like candy. You need money, yes, but where it comes from is a different question. And an investor is only going to invest if there's a return on their investment. And that may not be easy for someone in a total startup mode to demonstrate. You know, and it's, of course, investments got a lot tighter too with people being wary of the future. And also, it, it's changed so much. You know, we, we used to look at investors wanting to make long-term plans and assess all this. Now they're only interested in your plan for the sort of maybe one year or three years, absolute maximum. Nobody talks of 10-year business plans anymore because nobody knows what the next 10 years is going to hold, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a very changed market, the investor market, I think. And that means pretty quick returns for them to be worth remotely investing in. 
Yes. And I think some people ignore the fact or forget the fact that an investor is going to want some element of control. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, know. they do. They, I mean, a lot of them will tie it on for a lot more control than you want to give away, but they do want some control. And strangely, however much, I mean, some, some of them have good interests at heart, but they still want to make money. You know, when it, when it comes, and that shocks some people. Well, yeah, because they think it's it's the fairy godmother handing out money, yeah. you know? <laughs> Investors, absolutely. oh, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of times people come up with business ideas when they're sitting around with friends having a few beers and a pizza, and it sounds great at night, but then in the light of day, it doesn't always <laughs> hold up. So for those who have the entrepreneurial itch, where in your experience does startup success begin? research every single time well i suppose actually let's go back one it starts with somebody getting over that fear and think i am going to give it a try you know you don't even have to give it a try full time you can do it part time whatever but you know unless they take the first point of action then it's never going to happen but assuming they're doing that it starts at research and it's amazing how many entrepreneurs, even experienced entrepreneurs, forget that. They get this business idea in their heads and they're so excited and they forget to talk to their customers and find out what the customer wants, whether the customer's remotely interested in what they're doing and what the pain points are and all those things. And they end up spending a fortune on maybe some fancy tech that they spend you know, a couple of years building. And it doesn't connect with the customer at all. So it's got to be research. So research, we're talking about pain points. And what were the other ones? I just want to be able to kind of recap that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we are talking pain points and we're talking, you know, actually connecting with the customer's needs. But the customer is going to want it sufficiently badly that offering's got to be really clear. You know, it can be, a lot of people make it quite fussy, so nobody knows quite well, you know. It might do us some good, but we're not really sure what's going on. The customer needs to know what problem it's solving. And that's got to be put across in the marketing and the website. And that problem that it's solving has to be something that people really want solving. So what's the best way to go about doing that research when a lot of times people think, oh, everybody could benefit from this, you know, everybody's my customer. <laughs> How do they narrow that down and, and get their feedback on the ground, Jan? It's a, by a lot of hard work. I mean, you know, they can hire companies to do it, but I mean, that's pointless for a startup. So it's going to come down to not necessarily hard hardware on your feet and been these days of the internet but certainly my time spent talking to them you know if if you don't you're absolutely in trouble so it's a question of going where your customers are join forums where they are go local networking where they are don't talk to the whole world narrow that down as quickly as you can as to who you as those customers are it's the same as marketing you don't try and sell to the whole world find out where the ones you are going to want to sell to are and just talk and get to know them get to know what their likes and dislikes are. Get that really clear customer persona in your head. And then you might start getting an idea of what they're going to like, what's going to emotionally connect with them. 
because the marketplace has got even more crowded than ever. And it's all about emotional connection now. If you don't emotionally connect with that customer, you're pretty lost. That's good advice. We've talked up to now about looking at the market and seeing Mm. if the market has a need for what you'd like to be able to provide. But let's look at the other side of the table. How does somebody know if they're really cut out for entrepreneurship and especially startup success? Yeah, I think that's it's also become terribly fashionable, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, with lots of misconceptions, rather like you are going to find some fairy godmother with, uh, you know, millions that is going to invest in some idea you've never tested. So, you know, there are all these misconceptions now, and a lot of people do find it a nasty shock. And I think the best thing you can possibly do is talk to people who are other entrepreneurs because I don't think people who aren't entrepreneurs really get it. It's just as once you're started, the best possible support system you can have is a group of other entrepreneurs. You know, your partner, your family, they'll all go, oh, poor you, that sounds horrible, that's a brilliant idea. But they won't, you know, they'll be supportive to you, but they won't fully understand the problem. You know, when you've had a horrendous day, when your customers have done something awful, when you've got something badly wrong, then it's other entrepreneurs who will have been through it and will really get it. So I think, you know, that whole network is essential but from as early a time as possible and even when you're toying with it you know if you can go to places they are the word tribe is used a lot in conjunction with entrepreneurs and I think there's a good reason for it you know are you a member of this tribe and or you know does it fill you with joy however bad it gets or is it well what's going on here I don't fit in with these people Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you've had your own journey as far as startup success goes, which certainly gives you the credibility <laughs> to, <laughs> to talk about it. And I appreciate that. In your own experience, what were some surprises that you encountered on that startup success journey that you hadn't anticipated? Well, I was going to say success, actually. I don't think I ever thought in the early days that I'd succeed. Uh, As I think we probably discussed before, I was so ignorant and I was so back to the wall trying to feed the kids. But, you know, actually large success never crossed my mind. People didn't do that on the whole point in time. So, So I think the biggest shock was actually what happened. But apart from that, Hannah, I would say... The fact that it got so much harder with growth, you know, I thought we, you know, very well we were doing pretty well and quite successful and, you know, everything was going very smoothly and making fairly decent money out of it. And, you know, then growth made it so, so much harder because we didn't have experienced people. We didn't bring experienced people who were used to bringing businesses on board at the right time when growth really started to take off. And I think that's a huge mistake and can give you very nasty shocks because you certainly won't have experienced that before if it's your first business. Well, you raise an interesting point about how you defined your business success. You know, in hindsight, you're like, yes, this really grew into something huge. But initially... 
your idea of success was just being able to keep the bills paid? Keep the kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Feed the kids. So how, in order to keep going, how important is it, do you think, for entrepreneurs and startups, and especially when they're looking at startup to success, to define the different landmarks on their journey? I think it's certainly crucial for them to have a clear reason in their mind as to why they're doing it. I think that's possibly got over-romanticized into, you know, I've got to do something amazing with my life. I've got to be very special. I've got to give back so that the entire world changes. You know, yeah, sure, one or two people manage to do that, and they are fabulous people who we're all in awe of. But, you know, your average startup that may do a bit of good, and it may well be for a reason of just feeding your family or something fairly prosaic, but you've got to create something special that also is worthwhile at the same time. And I think that's one of the early challenges too, that you sort of morph into a worthwhile enterprise. You know, so I think that's essential when you've got to take, it's rather like like having people work for you. You know, they, they say the secret is to take money off the table, you know, pay them enough so that that's not a pain point so that they're not thinking I should jump ship. I mean, let's face it, if somebody is offered 10 times, 100 times more money, they always will jump ship. But if if they're paid enough to feel valued and a bit more than maybe your next door neighbor, then they're not going to worry about money. They want other things to go with it. And it's the same, I think, with the business. You know, if you're reaching your financial goals, there's got to be more to it to keep you motivated. Very good. Well, let's talk about your book for a second here, maybe a few more seconds. Start for Success. It's an entrepreneur's guide to startups. It is. What are the basic building blocks? I mean, I don't want you to give away the whole book, but Mm -hmm. in, in terms of, you know, what does somebody need to think about? Even if they're starting it sort of as a side hustle, they still may have a full-time job, but there are certain basics that need to be included for startup success. Help us out. Sure. I mean, I wanted to take it right back. You know, we do talk about the fear aspect, for example. People, you know, do. I mean, I wonder how many good businesses have never happened because people are too frightened which is quite sad. And I don't think if you possibly can, fear should stop you doing things in life. And then we move on and we talk about marketing and sales and financing, be it bootstrapped, all the other ways you can go about it and creating a team and all the sort of basics that go with creating a business. And I try and emphasize throughout that, you know, if it's a one-man venture, that's great. You know, if it's going to take off and fly and be the next Coca-Cola, I think Coca-Cola are in trouble, so possibly not them, but you know what I mean. It's great. It's whatever you want. It's your business. Don't let everybody else dictate what that business should be. I think that's so important. So would that be your biggest takeaway from the book and for startups? So, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to work jolly hard and... You know, unless it's what you want, so many people will tell you not to do it because for whatever reason, because their own opinions, interests, whatever, they'll tell you how to do it. 
And, you know, that's vastly different from going on a course to learn X, Y, and Z. It's important that you are really clear in your own mind why you are doing it and what you want out of it. So the vision, to be clear about the vision, does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, your long-term goal, are you going to create this thing for a short term to try and make a lot of money? Or are you going to get out after a long period? Or are you going to keep it forever? And always have a B plan because you don't know what's around the corner. Well, what about that B plan? I mean, how much can you really expect? Well, you just don't know. I mean, we were saying to earlier that, you know, even investors now know things are changing so fast. It's very difficult to anticipate what's going to happen in business. So it's important to have a B plan. It's important to keep a business in a way that if the unexpected happens, it can either be at worst closed down cleanly or sold ideally. And that means putting in place good systems and structures and people from early on, which is hard to do because it's such fun being chaotic when you have a startup. It's part of the reason people enjoy it. So all the you know, the boring stuff, which entrepreneurs don't fancy, uh, doesn't get done quite often, which damages their chances of having a sellable business later on. Far better to get somebody on board who, from the start who, who is really good at the admin side and runs all that beautifully because it triples your chance of having a, a valuable business. You just free up the entrepreneur's time from all that busy work, which they absolutely not crazy about. And, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you're going to put the effort in and start your own business, why would you want to do the bits you hate? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, but it could be just letting go, you know, the control factor. Yes, there is an element of that. Very true. But I think most entrepreneurs are quicker to, to let go of that side. It's just they feel they ought to do it themselves because nobody knows a business as well as they do. Or could do it as well as they do, right? So yeah, perfection. sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Perfection is, is the enemy of it's good enough, right? Oh, isn't it just? Yes, absolutely. Perfection is, is dire. <laughs> and we all fall into that one. Yeah, absolutely. If you had to distill, based on your experience and, you know, the work you did in, in writing your book, if you had to just boil it down to one thing, Jan, that you think is absolutely crucial for startup success, what would it be? Clarity. Clarity of what you're going to do and why. Definitely. Terrific. Super. Well, Jan, thank you so much. I appreciate all you do to help startups be successful and scale their businesses. And if you're listening and you'd like more information about Jan Cavell and her books, Start for Success or Scale for Success, those links as well as the contact information and transcript of this interview can be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. Thanks so much for listening and please be sure to tell all your friends about the show, leave a positive review. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Business Confidential Now. So until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow. Tomorrow.